What up, people? My name is Tim Black. Are we live? We look like we're live. We look like we're live. We're live. Welcome to Tim's Table. This is the Tim's Table, episode number 35, which means we've done 30, 35 of these. That's a lot. So this is dope. It really is. I'm feeling really good about that. Episode 35. Today we'll be covering uh, Derek Chauvin's attacker has been identified. We're going to talk about that. George Santos got the boot. We're going to talk about that. Uh, MSNBC swung the axe on Maddie Hassan. Maddie Hassan got the axe. Well, yeah, kind of. I guess you could say that. Yeah, he got the axe. He got the axe. Is that it? One, two, three, four. Okay, yeah. And other stuff we're going to talk about, too. We got other stuff, too. But those are the main topics tonight. I hope that you find at least one of those worth watching. The Tim Black Show is where our truth matters. Subscribe at jointimblack.com. It's a new day. Black women are seven times more likely to go missing. I want to welcome everybody back to the Tim's Table. The place where we dive into the vibrant tapestry of black America. I'm your host and I'm proud to be here today and... And we're unpacking a big idea. That idea is that there is no such thing as a black monolith. Doesn't exist. Let's start with the basics, guys. What exactly is a monolith? Imagine a giant, solid rock. It's unchanging. It's uniform. It's rock all the way around. As high as as you can see, it's rock. As low as you can see, it's rock. It's one big piece of rock. When people talk about a monolith, they're often thinking about something that's the same everywhere you look. So they say, hey, you're a piece of that rock. If you're a piece of that rock, if you get chipped off, you are still that rock. Because that rock is one thing. When you apply this idea to a group of people, it's like trying to squeeze the vast ocean into a tiny bottle. It don't fit. When I say black music, what comes to mind? For some people, it'll be the soul-stirring sounds of Mahalia Jackson. Gospel legends. For others, like my brother, Dr. Cornel West, it will be jazz tunes. You say black music to Dr. West, he'll say John Coltrane. Others will say rock and roll. They'll say B.B. King. Elvis. Because he stole all his shit. Little Richard. Some will say Motown. They'll say, uh, you know, shit, the Four Tops. Uh, They'll say uh, Stevie Wonder. They'll say, uh, you know, it's just the list goes on. Some will say hip-hop. Some about hip-hop here. Generation X, stand up. We might say Public Enemy. Might say Rakim. Heavy D, LL Cool J, I don't know. Scarface, the Ghetto Boys. Ice Cube. Tupac, Biggie. Wu-Tang. Wu-Tang's for the kids. One of the beautiful things about being black is there's so much diversity. Diversity of skin tone, diversity of religion, diversity of music, diversity of food, diversity of dress, diversity of style, diversity of beliefs. 
And all that is all good until we get to politics because for some reason, people think whatever they think politically is how everybody else feels. That's what they think. They think however you think politically, that's how everybody else that looks like you feels. Anybody who resembles you. That ain't true. You know, less black if you're like country western. I mean, black people did start pretty much every form of music except classical. And some people will argue if that's correct. All music is black music. No matter what genre you, you rock with, right? Now let's talk about what's really unfair, guys. It's unfair and honestly a bit lazy to paint all black Americans with the same brush. Whether we're talking politics, social views, religion, community, like any other, the black community is a mosaic. You have different experiences, different beliefs. For instance, I once told a story on this show about me being at a pond with some friends at a lake, with some friends back in the early 90s. We're trying to get out of town from the rough Areas that we were living in in Prince George's County went to went to a place called Warrington, Virginia, little town called Catlett. Some of you may remember this story of. I won't I won't bore you with it today. I'll just say that uh, I had some experiences at that pond, that lake, at that lake, that have shaped and formed who I am. As I witnessed a white guy, who just earlier that night who was drunk, made me want to bust him upside the head with something. Because he, he was using the word nigga and referring to me. And I saw that same white guy rescue my black friend who was drowning in a river or that lake. He dove in and swam, I don't know, 50 yards to go get him. While we just stood there looking like, damn, who going to get <laughs> Hope he can swim better than that. That kind of shaped my word view. You know, my worldview, you know, kind of shit, kind of, kind of made me realize even when people say dumb shit, even when people do dumb things, say dumb things, believe dumb things, it doesn't erase their humanity. Now, I know me telling you that story don't mean much because you didn't experience it. For some of you, if you didn't experience it, it doesn't believe, you know, it doesn't resonate the same way. You know? And if you haven't experienced a similar situation, Maybe you have a totally different perception of how people work. The whole point is that we're all just a sum of our experiences. And we're not a monolith because all black people haven't had the same experiences. All black people don't listen to the same music. All black people don't rock to the same beat. All black people don't believe in the same stories, assertions, traditions, or politics. To say that all black people think the same, vote the same, or believe the same is to erase the individuality and richness of our experiences. It's like saying all the food in Louisiana is spicy when it ain't. A lot of it has kick, but have you tried the sweet, the sweet beignets in New Orleans or New Orleans? Ain't nothing spicy about a beignet. We're talking about a community that's given rise to leaders like Martin Luther King Jr. and Malcolm X. While both were fighting for the same foundational rights, 
He had very different approaches and philosophies. Or consider the difference in artistic expression between Langston Hughes and Maya Angelou. Both were profound, yet distinct in their voices. So to my listeners, especially those who are part of the black American community, I say this, your individuality is your strength. Your diverse viewpoints, experiences, and beliefs are what makes our community rich and dynamic. I was compelled to share this monologue today because after my coverage of Gaza, I start getting sporadically, I got these comments from what I think are black people, but I'm not sure. Because you can be whatever you want to be on the internet. I mean, unless you show yourself and show who you are and show your family and your kids like I have. But, you know, there are people that can be whoever they want. So I say this with a grain of salt because I'm not sure. But some of them are upset. They're like, why are you covering this? Which was strange because most of them weren't supporters of the channel. Like, they don't, they don't keep the channel going. They weren't members of the show. Because members of the show know I've covered reparations a million times. In fact, I lost almost my whole channel. And, nah, no one cares. No one cares. Look, we ain't got to agree on everything. We not the same. I care if America uses my money. I care how they use my money. If they take my money and fund an army that's genociding folks, I might find it necessary to call that out because that's what I do on this channel. I call out shit I want to call out that I see as injustice. It's hard to think of a more ranking justice that's going on right now that's being talked about in America. 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 I do find it kind of funny that there are people saying, Tim, you got to talk about Congo. Whenever I talk about Africans, people say, well, that person ain't black. So we got this weird stuff going on, man. It's crazy. Obama's not a, the first black president because his dad is from Africa. But if I talk about Gaza, you'd rather I talk about Africans. If I talk about what's going on here in Maryland or D.C. where I live, you say, why aren't you talking about what's going on in the Fifth Ward? I'll resign myself to the fact we ain't going to never get it right. You can always be wrong. When I'm talking about politics, you say, why aren't you talking about what's going on Besides politics, when you talk about what's going on besides politics, they say, hey, how are we going to get them reparations? I say, well, how are you going to get reparations if you don't fuck with politics? You know, reparations is a political move. And if you don't vote, how are you going to have people in office to fight for reparations? How are you going to get a black agenda? Political black, that's a political thing if, if you don't care about... I, Hey, look, dog, I'm not here to figure it all out for people. Hell, I'm barely figuring it out for myself, but I can tell you this. All black people aren't liberal, and all black people aren't progressive, and all black people aren't independent, and all black people are not conservative, and all black people aren't anything. All black people are all kinds of people. And there's many people that were pushing back on certain content there were those pushing for it. Because we are not a monolith. 
It's important realizing to realize you in your own damn bubble too. Whatever you think is based on your experiences. And there's somebody who thinks you ain't black enough or liberal enough or progressive enough or conservative enough or Christian enough or atheist enough or agnostic enough or gay enough or LGBTQIA enough or East Coast enough or West Coast enough or Down South enough or Up North enough or Fat enough, Skinny enough, Diverse enough, Afrocentric enough, just not enough, whatever it is, because it's not what they are. That's some bullshit, but that's how people are. Seeking unbiased news? Discover the new Tim Black Television Network, where truth and integrity lead the way. We're committed to honest reporting and empowering you with factual, unfiltered information. Join a community that values transparency and critical thinking. Ready for news that respects your intelligence? Visit jointimblack.com. Embrace the change because at Tim Black Television Network, our truth matters. Sign up today for a new kind of news experience. It's a new day. Most news shows are suspect. They don't focus on black issues, and when they do, it's all fluff. How does that help your life? How does that help your family? How does that help the culture? They don't. The Tim Black Show is different. Tim Black gives you news for people who can't stand the news. Real, authentic, researched, entertaining, on point. Don't let nobody take your cornbread. Visit www.timblacktv.com today. Get black-breaking news, politics, culture from someone you can trust. Timblacktv.com. Join us today. Man. Man, oh man, oh man, oh man. This is crazy, guys. So I don't know if you heard this or not. You won't believe what it takes to get thrown out of Congress. Welcome back to the channel. Today we're diving into the controversial saga of the former New York U.S. Representative George Santos. His political career came to an abrupt end due to a series of lies and fabrications. Let's break it down. One day after George Santos' historic expulsion from the House of Representatives. Congressman, what do you say to your constituents? Excuse me. You guys got to get out of my way. Now remember, this guy was a promising figure at one time. They thought he was he was going to do some things. All right? Uh, he faced multiple investigations into his finances and other issues, which brought everything to a screeching halt. His downfall began with inconsistencies in his personal and professional backstory started to surface. So, first of all, he lied about education and his work history. Santos admitted that he did not attend the universities he had previously claimed on his resume. He also confessed to lying about his work experiences. Now, we've all lied about our work experiences from time to time. Well, maybe not lie is a good word. We've all um, exaggerated experiences. I remember when we, um, a friend of mine, Mike. Ah, yeah. 
Storage side. Big Mike was like, yo, but here's the trick, Tim. We set up a mailbox. Right? Like, uh-huh. He said what we do is we set up a voice mailbox. And that's our former employer, right? Give them that number. And then when they call you, one of us calls them back and pretends to be each other's boss. Now, see, that's all fine and dandy, and they work pretty well, I think. The only problem is, when you get to the interview, you got to kind of be able to answer questions about the job. You know, from your job experience. For some reason, Mike was always better at that than me. Yeah, he was better at lying. But he'd always get fired in the end. Like this one time, he called me up, he said, Tim. I said, man, why are you talking like that? I can't hear you. He said, I'm in the server room closet. I'm in the closet of the server room. I said, I can't hear you, man. He said, man, I'm in the server room closet. My boss said he want me to increase the page, the, the, the virtual memory. The virtual memory. He said increase the virtual memory. Man, why are we increasing virtual memory? Just buy some real memory. This is a big company. Can we buy the real thing? Why we got to have virtual memory? Do me a favor, Tim. Tell me, what is virtual memory? I said, Mike, I don't remember, brother. Yeah, he got fired from that job, too. So, look, I'm not saying, you know, I've never partaketh, but I realized pretty quickly that this type of stuff comes back to bite you. You don't always have time to call an audible. Can't look on the sidelines and get somebody to hook you up with the answer. You got to kind of know it. George Santos did not know the answers. He lied about property ownership. Santos claimed to own a series of rental properties, but later acknowledged that he didn't. Santos repeatedly said during his campaign he was a proud American Jew, but later backtracked and identified as Jewish. It's crazy, yo. After reporting raised questions about his ethnicity. And when you say Jewish, he doesn't mean a Jewish American. He means Jew-like. Seriously, like blackish. Not really black, but kind of. So he was, he was saying, I don't know, I, know I, didn't, I didn't say I was Jewish. I mean, I was Jewish. You know, kind of like Jewish. And people was like this. Yeah, your boy told that lie, yo. You know, and you know, to get elected in a heavenly Jewish district. Santos stridently denied committing crimes in Brazil or anywhere else, but Brazilian prosecutors have moved to open a years old fraud case against him. Yeah. He did dirt in Brazil. <laughs> Donor Deception, CNBC reported that Santos staff impersonated staffers for now House Speaker Kevin McCarthy in order to raise funds from wealthy donors. So they lied to donors in order to raise money to send the money to Santos. Said there was someone else to collect money when it was going to Santos when they said it was going to McCarthy. That's fraud. This guy's a, Nef a walking Netflix documentary, isn't he? Santos has publicly said that the 911 attacks claimed his mother's life, though she died in 2016. Freddie do, man. And there is no evidence of a connection. 
This dude lied about his mom dying in the towers. You know what? I will say this. This guy was committed. He was committed to the lie, man. Anytime you lie on your dead mother. In the conclusion, in the end, Santos is officially expelled from the House of Representatives on December 1st. His story serves as a stark reminder of the importance of truth and integrity in public service. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> Let's keep it real, guys. The House, of Re- the House of Representatives is sort of a lot of liars. A lot of them lying say they're going to come in and do the bidding of the people, and they come and do the bidding of the donors. There was this one clip I saw of John Fetterman, the senator out of Pennsylvania. Yeah, I think that's where he is. Who was on The View, of all places, talking about Santos, and then talking about somebody else, Menendez, or, and how to corrupt everyone is. And it's like, you know, all of them are corrupt. What's your reaction to the exp- expulsion? Well, it's like, uh, I'm not surprised, but, but to me, I think the, the more important picture is, is that we have a colleague in, in the Senate that actually did much more sinister and, and serious kinds of things. Uh, Senator Menendez, uh, he needs to go. Um, and if you are going to expel Santos, how can you allow to somebody like Menendez to remain in the Senate? And, you know, Santos's kind of lies were almost, you know, funny and like, you know, he you know, landed on the moon and a guy kind of stuff. Uh, whereas, whereas, you know, I, you know, I think, you know, Menendez, I think is really a senator for Egypt, you know, not New Jersey. Uh, Federman was making a case why Santos was, you know, a harmless idiot, you know? Like, he lied about who shot Biggie and Tupac, but we got Menendez who lied about other things that were way more consequential, like being a lapdog for Egypt or whatever. Meanwhile, Fetterman is a lapdog for APAC. And most of Congress is a lapdog for APAC and pharmaceutical companies. And they lie every day and say that they're going to go and be the only lapdog they'll be is for their constituents. Well, that ain't the truth. So <clears throat> I tell you, man, when I first started turning over the new Tim Blackleaf, so to speak, you know, well, I finally embraced the fact that I don't give a damn about none of these parties at all. And, um, I just ain't going to fit in no box at all. It's no box to put me in. You can't put me in with progressives. You can't put me with conservatives or liberals. You just can't put me nowhere. I'm just going to have to start my own line. If you feel like I do and you're tired of all this shit, line up behind me. <laughs> See, I do believe there's a place for people like Santos. And it actually is Congress. The reason why they got rid of Santos is because he was publicly embarrassing them by being so blatant with his lies. Yeah, Nancy Pelosi's made multiple millions of dollars short-selling and using insider information, allegedly. Lord knows I don't need to be sued. They might take half my mic. You know what I'm saying? But she's quiet about it. And if she's not quiet about it, Nancy and other liars like her that are, in, that are in Congress had the ability to shut you down via, I don't know, Twitter or Facebook or agencies or news, news websites with lawsuits. Since Santos had no such ability to shut anybody up, all of them are full of shit. 
But that doesn't mean I feel bad for Santos. Nah, we don't need more liars. We don't need more liars. I just wish we could go back and get all the other liars. But we ain't going to, like, like, if we know a new liar's coming in, we should stop him regardless to party. And that's why I'm kind of impressed <coughs> that actual Republicans went along with this because this is one of their guys. Even though more Democrats voted to get rid of him, there were a number of Republicans that voted to drop kick him. So I'm kind of, that was kind of surprising. Then I remember, Democrats did get rid of somebody. Al Franken comes to mind. Remember Democrats getting rid of that guy? They drop kicked his ass. It wasn't for being corrupt, because you got rid of guys for being corrupted liars. I mean, it would be everybody. They got rid of Franken because... He was making jokes about a woman's anatomy or something on a plane. You know, Al Franken, the guy whose whole life, half his life is being a comedian, was making a joke with a picture or something. But they didn't stand up for him at all. They threw his ass under the bus and then backed that truck up. So I was like, wow, you know, the Republicans will get rid of you if you embarrass them. And the Democrats will get rid of you if you... I don't know if you if you do like this over a woman. <laughs> I don't know if you're sexually, if you're accused of sexual misconduct or something. But then that would mean they'd have to get rid of Biden. The GOP, with, then they would have to admit they'd have to get rid of Trump. Ah! Decisions, decisions. All right. That's all for today's episode on Gacentos. May he land safely somewhere. Uh, but we know he's going to have a book deal coming and he's going to have a movie deal coming in. This will be the most crazy thing. Look, five years from now, Santos will look back and just think of that crazy time when I was a congressman from New York. As he counts his millions. Because he's going to get a job and he's going to become a star or something. All right. Seeking unbiased news? Discover the new Tim Black Television Network, where truth and integrity lead the way. We're committed to honest reporting and empowering you with factual, unfiltered information. Join a community that values transparency and critical thinking. Ready for news that respects your intelligence? Visit jointimblack.com. Embrace the change because at Tim Black Television Network, our truth matters. Sign up today for a new kind of news experience. It's a new day. Crazy, right? Okay, here goes a good one. How many people know who this guy is? Not him. This guy. His name is John Terzak. And he almost killed Derek Chauvin. Almost. A lot of people want to give him an A for effort, though. So John Tursak is a uh, former snitch <laughs> turned Mexican mafia member or something who stabbed Derek Chauvin 21 times. I'm sorry, 22 times. Every... St- Stab counts. 
Tursak told investigators, uh, well, let me back up so people know. Tursak was a former gang leader and one-time FBI informant who stabbed Shelvin 22 times in a federal correctional institution in Tucson, Arizona. Tursak, who's serving a 30-year sentence for crimes committed as a member of the Mexican Mafia prison gang, has been charged with attempted murder and other related offenses. Now, I reported on this last week, last week, but we didn't know, or earlier this week I reported on it. Thing is, we didn't know who the attacker was. For some reason, people thought it was a black person. Tursak told investigators he had contemplated attacking Chauvin for a month due to his high-profile status. He also mentioned a symbolic connection to the Black Lives Lives Matter movement. Yeah. It's crazy. Tursak ain't even Mexican. I was looking at it just like, Tursak, why does that not sound Mexican? It's not Mexican. He's a part of the Mexican mafia gang in prison to stay alive. But since he's the snitch, now nobody want him. He's actually Czechoslovakian. But he did this as a solid for Black Lives Matter. Dog, I'm confused as you. I can't figure this out. I can't call it, man. Now, this is a good time to say I'm better than I ain't in it. Because this don't make no kind of sense. Try saying all that shit three times real fast. Look. Uh, the Mexican Mafia's black hand symbol is motivations for the attack which occurred on Black Friday. So, he did it for the, he did it Kinda because he had a big name, but he also did it because Black Lives Matter and the Black Hand and Black Friday and Black Black Bliggity Black Black Black. Anyway, as you all know, Chauvin survived the attack. He was taken to the hospital for treatment. This attack on Chauvin adds to the recent act scrutiny faced by the Federal Bureau of Prisons, which criticized for handling of high-profile inmates and overall management issues. Uh, the Bureau has been under investigation for various problems, including staff misconduct, inmate assaults, and adequate responses to emergencies. So they got all types of problems over there. All types of problems. So the lacks in security may not be a conspiracy at the highest levels. This ain't exactly an Epstein-type situation. You know what I'm saying? Terzak's background includes leading a faction in the Mexican mafia and working as an FBI informant before being dropped due to continued criminal activity. His attack on Chauvin is one of several recent incidents involving a high-profile federal prison inmates. All right, I don't know. Here's my thing, guys. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. I knew he wasn't black. Yeah, I knew he wasn't black. The closest we get to black people really standing up would be those black people on that boat. They beat up those racists that were beating up on that one black ship captain or whatever. Y'all know the one that went viral. I mean, because when I think back of all the times, all the times when 
I thought black people was going to get somebody who did something to somebody black, like, like you know, I killed him, I copped and killed him or something. It never happened. Yeah, man. Don't get me wrong. I, I, I wish they would have got him. I wish it would have been a brother going, yeah, take that, take that. But, I'm, you know, I've been doing this too long. I know, look, nobody black jumped out there and got the cop that killed Chauvin. I'm sorry, they killed Tamir Rice or killed Breonna Taylor or killed Trayvon Martin or killed Michael Michael Brown or killed like like nobody no one no one got any you know no one you know Zimmerman's still alive and the guy that the cop that shot Michael Brown is still alive and the cop that shot Laquan McDonald Laquan McDonald and Philly is still alive and kicking and fine and free or. Is he free? I don't know if he's free. I'm just saying, like, these people, don't we don't get them. We get each other. That's what we get. And then we get mad for me saying it. Breonna Taylor, Freddie Gray. Freddie Gray got killed in a, they broke his spine in the back of giving him a rough ride in Baltimore, and nobody even talks about it anymore. They killed this kid. Of course, the media fabricates some story about how horrible he was. Yeah, being all that is just smear tactics that dummies believe in, you know, to feed their stereotypes about black people so they don't got to feel anything and they can just continue to feel racist and defend the system that keeps killing us. And that's the black people that agree with it. Like I said, there's no monolith, so there are black people that agree with it. Um... Tatiana Jefferson got killed in her own home watching her nephew while they play video games. I don't know what happened in that case. Did they kick it? I think they kicked it. And nothing happened to the shooter who thought she was dangerous because she was in her house with a weapon that she was licensed to have in a state where you can have guns. It is what it is. So, yeah. I didn't think this guy was black by default. I hope that maybe it was possible it could be a righteous thing, like a black guy standing up for George Floyd. But, you know, I've I've learned not to wish for things like this. My thing is this. People are saying that Terzak should be invited to the black cookout. He should be invited to the black cookout because he took out or tried to take out Derek Chauvin. And I don't know about that, man. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if a... Czechoslovakia Mexican mafia member um, who threw poor BLM out his ass probably because somebody told him he needed to do it, he had to do it, or they were going to kill him or whatever. I don't know what, you know, If you when you're regarded as a snitch, like life is flimsy. In prison, outside of prison. The rumor is he never, he didn't want to get released because if he got released, at least now in jail, he's more protected he gets released, they coming for him. So it's all this contrived, like it's a lot of stuff behind it. But I guess if you're just jumping out on TikTok and you want to put out a video, it gets a lot of views. Maybe it's cool to say, he invited to the black cookout. Yeah. Um, because it gets you views. Now, if you want to be invited to my cookout, you got to do more than try to kill a guy. Um, that we don't like. 
you got to kind of like be a guy we want, you know, that supports us, supports the issues. I don't know. I guess I got a high criteria. Like if you do it for yourself and you do it, you do something like that, it's not like a rescue thing. Like if if you were walking by, you saw that what was happening to George Floyd, and you intervened, then you're invited to the cookout. Yeah, how about that? How how about if you're walking by and you see this shit? You know? If you run up on the guys who shot Tamir Rice, if you're there and you jump in it, if you saw what they did were doing to Freddie Gray and you, like, intervened somehow. I mean, at some point, you got to stand up for yourself. At some point, we got to stand up for each other. And at some point, somebody's got to take it on the chin. And come with come with may. The consequences, you know what I'm saying? But if you're already in jail for 30 years, you know what I'm saying? If you're already in jail for 30 years and you got really no connection to, you get my point. I just find it, I find it kind of insulting, right? To be like, let's invite this cornball to the, the black cookout. It's like, we take anybody, man. We take anybody. That's how little we have. <laughs> sad, really. It's really sad. Mexican mafia member. All right. That got to be bad. Got to be bad for the black guys that are in that particular prison. Like, why you ain't do something? Why you ain't do something? Why you ain't do something? Yeah, man, he showed us up. He showed you up. Like, they argue back and forth. All right. <clears throat> next story, guys. Next story. There's a lot of Me Too movement stuff still going on. I know people think it's over. It's never over. It's never over. The victims are rising up. And boy, are they rising up. Folks, it's going, it's going down, Johnson. It's going down. In fact, many, many, many men Many men wish me too upon me. Why so many powerful men who were just sued for sexual assault? Man, the list of powerful men being sued for sexual assault makes me ask one question. Don't women ever sexually harass anyone? Remember one time I had this job. This woman, I'm giving the training. This woman, while I'm sitting down giving the training, walked to the front of the class and sat on my lap in front of everybody. I was 20 years old, and I was embarrassed as hell. But I ain't tell nobody. I didn't file no paperwork. But what I'm saying is, why come it's always the guys? No women ever, anywhere, have ever sold at anyone? Oh, that's right, Lizzo that time. Lizzo did do something. They got Lizzo, too. Okay, I'll take it back. <clears throat> so anyway, the Me Too just became... It just grew into all y'all. All y'all. There ain't no more Me Too. It's all y'all. Listen to this. Coming on the heels of the P. Diddy, P. Diddy settlement to his former girlfriend, Casey, or Cassie. Casey? Cassie. Ah. P. Diddy settled for $30 million. But there's more. There's more. That ain't it, Johnson. Recent headlines have been dominated by a series of high-profile sexual assault lawsuits. We got 
new lawsuits. Now, Sean, John, Diddy, Combs, Mr. Love, Dr. Whatever, Love. He's got two more allegations. Then there's Axel Rose from Guns N' Roses. Then there's Jamie Foxx. Political figures, Andrew Cuomo. New York Mayor, New York Mayor Eric Adams. Uh, Cuba Gooden Jr. again? Damn. Uh, these lawsuits are a direct result of the Adult Survivors Act, a unique law in New York that provided a one-year window, which expired on November 24th, for victims to sue alleged sexual assault abusers in institutions they claim enabled the abuse, regardless of when the abuse occurred. So, look, guys, they gave you a window. If you're in New York, Go Hammerland. Go get them all. And they went to get them all. In fact, this led to over 3,000 civil lawsuits. Look, and not everybody's famous. I got to imagine at least 95% of these lawsuits are people that work at Starbucks or Amazon. Or drive for Lyft. Yeah. Yeah, it says here it's not only celebrities and politicians, but also private citizens, employers, and institutions like prisons and hospitals. High-profile cases including accusations against Donald Trump, Harvey Weinstein, and Bill Cosby, among others. The act allowed for these adults or these suits, even if the statute of limitations had expired, Aiming to address past claims. Now let me let me let me say this, guys. Let me say this for the record. I know some of these are bogus. Yeah, some are bogus. Go ahead and get mad. Go ahead, it's cool. It's true, man. Anytime you say anybody wants some money, come try to get some. When the fire trucks start ringing, everybody run up, man. Come on, man. <laughs> if, if I said, hey, any of y'all whose arm hurts can, you know, can get money, it'd be people coming up, you know, my arm hurt. They was just lifting weights. Because that's what people do. But, 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 but let me also say this. Some people are probably telling the truth. Yeah, some people are probably telling the truth because people must realize America, <coughs> our society, and I'm not saying other societies aren't bad too. This is the only one I know, okay? I'm not saying this better in Switzerland. It probably is, but I don't know. I'm not saying this better in Ghana. Because I've never been to Ghana. Even if, I, even if I did go, I'd have to be there for a long time to know. All I'm saying is, in America, we, America has been misogynistic as hell for a very long time. And it's going to take another 50 years for it to get really better. I mean, what they have now, what we have right now, are people trying to capitalize off of this. Okay, but I don't mean the victims. I'm talking about the media. I'm talking about the sensationalism of the stories and stuff like like people benefit from this. 
from the lawyers to the media. It's, it's like the whole ecosystem. It also gives politicians something to run off of. If you're a politician, you got to run on something. She can say, I want to clean up misogyny. I'm going to clean up the Me Too. And, and, you know, and we got people becoming stars off of this movement or catapulting themselves to notoriety and old actresses and actors or whatever coming back. And I remember the time. So, but all of that does not negate the toxic levels of which. People have operated in America, and particularly in Hollywood, and people of power have dominated over, lorded over, and had their way with people of lesser power forever. Like this, folks, this is a country that's built on slavery. This is a country that's built on the backs of indigenous, the corpses of indigenous people, and the broken backs and the corpses of black people of the enslaved. This is also a country that didn't have, like, workers' rights or nothing until, like, 50, 1950. Like, kids losing arms and limbs in factories. Workers losing their lungs, like, black lung. Like, I remember interviewing Paul Swer- Paula Swearingen from West Virginia, and I remember her telling me the horrific story of every man in her family dying of black lung. Every male person in her family dying early from a preventable disease just if they were given the proper materials to work in these mines. And they weren't. And I don't think the companies went to prison or the CEOs went to prison. Get what I'm saying? And I don't think I hurt the bottom line of those corporations. What I'm saying is, this is America. Right? So, yeah. I'm not for a second saying we don't have a, these, like, there's no way that these cases are real. But those cases and those attitudes and those individuals came from somewhere. And it came from an environment that is fostered. And from even the, even the worst shit, like, have you ever heard this guy? So, like, one of the suits is against P. Diddy. And uh, this woman alleges that P. Diddy and Ern Hall, like, essayed her, assaulted her, right? In that kind of way. Have you ever heard Ern Hall talk? Have you ever heard Ern Hall talk? White people, Ern Hall is a musician. He's a musician who was very famous for the group called Guy back in the 90s. Earn Hall, like years ago, like I remember like six years ago, seven years ago, sometime, I heard Earn Hall on an interview. And I used to love his music. I was like, that brother, that's my man right there. Jam, oh, jam. Teddy, jam for me. Man, Earn Hall was like the, the man, yo. That was like the guy, like when I was coming up, one of, one of the main vocalist performers, like, it was like very masculine voice, real cool lyrics, always on the, the beats were always dope and whatever, right? What I'm saying is I had a very high opinion of Aaron Hall. I thought Aaron Hall was, a, was that guy, right? Then I made a mistake of listening to an interview he gave, right? I was like, God 
damn. Aaron Hall was one of the most ignorant mofos. Aaron Hall so ignorant. Charleston White would be like, damn, bruh. Charleston White would be like, I, 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 I don't know, I don't know, man. I don't know about this guy. So what I'm saying is that woman, whoever she is, I agree with her. Whatever she said he did, I think he did. Because when I heard him talk, I remember coming to Ms. telling Mrs. Black, Mrs. Black, have you ever heard Earn Hall talk? She was like, nah. I was like, my Lord. And I played it for her. She was like, God. And Mrs. Black don't even cuss like that. She won't hardly ever cuss. You got, I got to, like, give her money and five wine coolers. She only drink one, so it's really hard to give her five wine coolers. But she was like, God. So what I'm saying is, my larger point is that Aaron Hall came from somewhere. He didn't come out of his mother's womb going, you know, man, I did this to these bees and I'm a, I'm a this and I got a big this. And, you know, he didn't come out the womb doing that. The environment of the music industry and the Hollywood and, the, and the, 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 you know, you get what I'm saying? Like, these people have fostered these these attitudes. Whatever you're saying that P. Diddy did, whatever Aaron Hall did, whatever any of this is, it's it's developed and it's 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 germinated. It took root. It grew. It grew. And look, and it was operating just fine, living just fine for 30 years in this environment. That it was okay. That's my point. That's what I'm trying to get to. That what we have right now is a reckoning. But really, what's indictable is not just the people; these names. Don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. It's a lot of names, but it's also the environment of which created those names, the environment that allowed that to be what America was and is, and is. So, it's all BS. I'm not saying it's BS to file a lawsuit. What I'm saying is BS to point fingers because the whole damn system is what it is. It's like politics. Even Santos is the fall guy for a completely lying system. And they're just choosing which lies they will tolerate. They won't tolerate this new representative who's gotten all this publicity for being a liar. But they'll tolerate others who have lied and lied and lied to voters and lied to, lied to, lied to news cameras and lie on the air and lie like a rug and use lie in their hair and just eat lima beans. Like, they will, they will deal with that. That's acceptable. And they're going to play golf tomorrow. <coughs> but when we, when we don't, so what I'm saying, don't lie to yourself and think it's just the people on this list it's everything. That's the point I'm driving in. All right. Give it up for that. All right, guys. Come right back. I have my feature story about MSNBC right after this. Seeking unbiased news? Discover the new Tim Black 
television network where truth and integrity lead the way. We're committed to honest reporting and empowering you with factual, unfiltered information. Join a community that values transparency and critical thinking. Ready for news that respects your intelligence? Visit jointimblack.com. Embrace the change because at Tim Black Television Network, our truth matters. Sign up today for a new kind of news experience. It's a new day. It is a new day, Johnson. I'm trying to tell y'all, man. I'm tired of y'all. I like you don't know what kind of day it is. Yeah. I want to give a big shout out to my Patreon members to keep this show going. Thank you for doing what you do. Thank you for being a part of the Tim Black Wolfpack. Thank you for supporting Team Black. It's It means a lot. And, uh, hey, I got your back. I ain't going to stop fighting. I ain't going to keep spitting uh, my truth. I'm going to keep telling it like it is. We ain't got to fit in nobody's box. It can fit in ours. All right. So here we go, guys. MSNBC was supposed to be this bastion of liberal, progressive, whatever, right? And uh, they've been kind of riding on this type of fallacy for a long time. Well, we know that's not what it was. That's not what it is. It's a corporate, it's a corporate animal. Corporate animals are like honey badgers. And when the truth gets in the back, the, the bag with a honey badger, the truth ain't coming out okay. Because that's the way corporate media works, Okay. You don't go to corporate media for the truth. You go to corporate media for the sanitized version of the truth, their version of the truth, and, and it's going to be, you know, it's a corporation. Corporations do what they got to do. So Mitty Hassan had a show. We had, he had a show on the network. Uh, it was on MSNBC, and it's also on Peacock, the streaming platform, and he no longer has that show. Mitty Hassan's show has been canceled. Now, according to... You know, according to, um, I, I guess, the official the official narrative is that the show just wasn't doing good in the ratings. It just wasn't performing well in the ratings. That's, that's what it was. And, and and that's what they say. You know, they say that, you know, it just didn't, just didn't, you know, add up. You know, it's kind of sudden. It's kind of sudden how that happened. Uh, and uh, some people said, had nothing to do with his, his ratings because his ratings have been bad for a long time. Actually, he was on an uptick in ratings. And what he what he didn't have in on-air ratings, he made up for it with his streams because he's gone viral many times because of his controversial interviewing style. In fact, I remember just before he got canceled, people were talking about how his interview style was one of the best they've ever seen. The way he would pin a guest and make them give him an answer. You may remember how famously, well, you may remember how Matty famously uh, cornered Vivek Ramaswamy in an interview and made Vivek stop being fake. Actually, I might even include that clip in the actual uh, new version of this. But be that as it may, People say, some people say it wasn't the Vivek conversation that got rid of Matty. Some people say it was this. The conversation he had with an Israeli prime minister guy. Oh, here goes a clip of that interview. 
at hitting Hamas hard, and maybe the military pressure will force them to consider how they look at the hostages. Look, we can't expect them to release hostages because they're suddenly going to become humanitarians, right, Mandy? They're obviously so, not. They're brutal, they're, brutal, no vicious one, terrorists. And, and no they'll one, only, no they'll only release they're hostages be... when they're... Yeah, they'll no only one's... release hostages when they're forced to do so. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about the military pressure. We are nearly six weeks into this bombing campaign and ground invasion. The Gaza Health Ministry says Israel has killed more than 11,000 people in Gaza, including the a record Hamas, number the of Hamas children. Controlled. Uh, the me, Hamas controlled. Let me finish my the question. Hamas let me controlled. finish my question. No, no, but, no, but, no but you have to, you can't say that. No, but I, you said you have to say the Hamas controlled Ministry You can say that. I don't Gaza, have to please. say what you asked me to say. More than 4,000 no, kids, true. they say, That's true. You don't killed. deny that, Midi. You don't deny that it's the Hamas controlled. I'm not and denying. my health ministry my is controlled by Hamas. Let me but, finish but, my yes, question. You can, but please tell the viewers the truth. That information yes. is provided by Hamas. Okay, and that information, we'll come back to that information, but you've got dead Gazans. The American government say maybe more than 11,000. You've got a record number of journalists killed, according to the CPJ, a record number of UN workers killed, according to the UN. And yet Hamas still exists. It's still capable of firing rockets into Israel, still has the hostages. You haven't found their big base under the Shifa hospital either. Your critics say that shows this war is a failure. I would argue that's all incorrect, Mehdi. We're hitting Hamas hard and they're feeling the pain. We just discussed that a moment ago. Why are they maybe now considering a, seriously a hostage release? It's not because, as I said, they've become humanitarians. It's because they're under a very, very massive military pressure. Look, this operation is not one that we wanted, obviously. This, this war was forced upon Israel in the terrible attack of October 7th. And, and we are fighting back and we will destroy Hamas. We'll dismantle their military machine and we'll take apart their political control of Gaza. That's good for Israel for obvious reasons. We don't have to live in fear of terrorists crossing the border and killing our people, butchering our children in the middle of the night. But it's ultimately also good, and I hope you agree with me, it'll be good for the people of Gaza who deserve better than this terrible authoritarian well, extreme Hamas regime. The people of Gaza are still alive. As I say, more than 11,000 people dead, reported dead, 4,000 children. I just want to pull up on the screen. Hamas. You say, yeah, Hamas's you say, numbers. You, Hamas's you, say numbers. Num you say Hamas's numbers. I should point out, just pull up on the screen. In the last two major Gaza conflicts, 2009 and 2014, the Israeli military's death dolls matched Hamas's health ministry death toll. So, and the UN human rights groups all agree that those numbers are credible. But look, your wider point is true. Can I challenge that? Will you allow me to challenge that, please? Can I just briefly, challenge that? Can, I'd briefly. like to challenge that. I'll try to be as brief as you are, sir. Uh, th those numbers are provided by Hamas. There's no independent verification. And he's amazing at that. He's very... Wow. So, some people are saying that Mehdi's relentless interviewing style with the Israeli, prize, the Israeli Prime Minister advisor, advisor to the Prime Minister, that's what it is, advisor to Netanyahu, that that is part of the reason why they got rid of him. Because here he cornered it made him sort of respond to, to, to the numbers of how many did uh, Gaza or Palestinians there were in Gaza. How many? Yeah. So, yeah, this is not a good look for Israel. And, and um, a lot of people were upset about this, and there was a lot of pushback. There was a lot of applause for Mehdi's line of questioning, for him being unrelentless. But there was also, uh, what the hell? There was also... It was also a pushback for him that people call him anti-Jewish for even questioning the numbers of people that were being killed, okay? And, and by that, we mean the numbers of civilians that were being killed, okay? So, people are full of it. People are full of it. 
They really are. I mean, if you're interviewing someone and you ask some tough questions, and does that make you anti-anything unless you actually say things that are anti-whatever, like anti-Jewish or anti-anybody, right? Just asking a question does not unless it's a racist question. I don't find this racist or anti-Jewish or anti-religion or whatever that is. I don't. I didn't find it that way. I just found it as someone trying to ask a question and not letting you off the hook without answering it, that type of thing. But a little bit later, I could see why they were really pissed at Mehdi because he even got more pointed, more pointed with his question. Here's an example. Hitting Hamas hard and also accused Israel of war crimes in Gaza too. We're short on time, much more short than me, so I'm going to keep going. Let's talk about uh, war crimes. Human rights groups, as well as the UN, UN High Commissioner for Human Rights, have accused Hamas of committing war crimes. But they've also accused Israel of war crimes in Gaza too, which you blame on Hamas. So I have a simple question for you. If Hamas gunmen were hiding out in a school in Tel Aviv or an apartment block in Haifa, would you be okay with the Israeli Air Force dropping bombs on those buildings, leveling them, killing the innocent Israelis inside in order to get the Hamas gunmen? Would you do that? But you're right in your question. Of course, Hamas hides behind uh, students and uh, children. That's the whole policy. That's why we've had the, the casualties we've had. Hamas deliberately embeds itself, as you said in your question, amongst civilians. The fact that they buried themselves under the Shifa hospital in, in, in Gaza City. Uh, not one hospital, but a whole series of hospitals. They Mark, took with respect, over you're not answering and they my turned question, them into military installations. Would you bomb schools and would you bomb schools and houses in Israel if Hamas militants were believed to be under them and kill Israeli human Let's, shields in the process? We don't deliberately kill anyone. That's that's not a fair question. What we are trying to do is eliminate this okay, threat. Okay, would you just accidentally ISIS, kill Israeli human children? I'll ask you a very simple question. Uh, we would wouldn't want to accidentally kill anyone. We wouldn't accidentally... No, we Understood. wouldn't you accidentally want to, want to kill anyone. Understood. But can I tell would you, when you the West the fought ISIS... When in the, Israel? When the West, when the West fought uh, uh, ISIS in, in uh, Fallujah and in Mosul, also there, ISIS used uh, uh, human shields. They actually used a hospital, I believe, in Mosul. You probably know this as well as I do. I uh, do. And, and, and the, the West was forced. And the West was fought. Oh, but wrong, I, I think, think it's actually, I, I think uh, America uh, did the right thing. You had to defeat these to brutal again. terrorists. Would you apply and, the But you're saying to me. In Israel. It's a simple question. You ask, we, wouldn't allow them, we wouldn't allow them to take over school in the first place. We'd... Yeah. Yeah, full of of Medi was really good at what he did. Really good at what he did. Excellent at what he did. A clinic on what he did. Which is stick to his guns on his questioning and just be relentless. It's a very good question though. Because part of the argument, folks, if you're not aware, is just saying that one of the pushbacks is Israel says Hamas which has been labeled a terror organization. Some people say that's not even a great depiction or an accurate depiction. Be that as it may, Israel says they're fighting against Hamas, not, God, not Palestinians. Problem is, Hamas hides in places where Palestinians are, Palestinian civilians are. And Maddie's question is, okay, you say you got to bomb places where Palestinians are because that's where Hamas is. If those Hamas members were embedded in places where Israel or Jewish folks are, would you still bomb? And this 
this coward wouldn't answer the question. Yeah, so you say you got to bomb a hospital because you say some Hamas members are in the hospital, but you also know there are women and children of Palestinians who are not Hamas, who are not a members of the military force called Hamas or the terror organization called Hamas, however you want to clarify it. But if they were in a Jewish or an Israeli, Israeli hospital, would you still bomb? If there were women and children, Israeli women and children in the hospital, would you still bomb that hospital to get at Hamas? Now, we all know the answer to the question is hell no. <clears throat> we all know the answer to that question is hell no. So, Maddie had him did the rights. But it's not enough to have him did the rights. Maddie just kind of want to just you know, make you say it. Say it. We all know the answer, but say it. And your lack of being straightforward and honest pretty much says it all for anybody who wants to actually be honest, right, and be ethical about the situation. Want to keep it 100? We know what the guy's saying. Guy's saying no. Because the bottom line is this. They don't value Palestinian life. And this is the reason why, regardless of my critics, regardless of people that push back, this is the point I'm trying to make. We get treated like this in America. We get treated like this in America. Everyone knows it. And, um, well, we know it. Historically, this is how it's worked. When America wanted to go in and get some slave slaves or people who ran or people who were part of an uprising, they just blow down the whole damn building. And they would kill everybody inside. America took out a, a couple city blocks uh, for the movement. The, what was the power movement? What was the name of that movement in Chicago? No, was it Philadelphia? I think it was Philadelphia. Right? It was women and, women and children in there. They didn't care. When America, hell, when America went after Waco, there were women and children there. Did, I think they tried to do evacuations. You know what I'm saying? But the point is, like, people should report on that as what it was, a crime. I don't know if you could call it a war crime, but it definitely was a crime. No one went to jail for it. That doesn't mean it was right. It's because no one goes to jail for it, okay? So that was Medi's point. And I agree that this is something we should be calling out, and I'm glad Medi was calling it out. And it's unfortunate because I've seen some people ridiculing Medi Hassan for being better than, like, 95% of corporate media because they just that's what they do. Look, our corporate media is garbage. Because it's controlled by corporations. And in order to stay on the air, people people allow themselves to be subjected to the rules of their corporation. That's just what it is. But Mehdi Hassan was much better at, uh, at what he was good at. And occasionally it was used for the better of all of us. And i just like to point out that some people in independent media do the same shit. Like... There is no shortage of cowards on either side of the ball here. That doesn't make Mehdi Hassan, you know, a great person for that. That doesn't mean I agree with him and it doesn't give him a pass. But I'm saying in the rules, in the, the field that we operate, it is what it is. And until we get independent media that is actually backed by people who actually support it and actually... Um, allow them to have different opinions, 
but it enabled them not to have to worry about funding. They don't have to worry about if they're going to be able to feed their families until we have that like infrastructure in place. We're always going to have people that are susceptible or somehow that can be compromised by the system because people have to eat. And some of the people that are talking shit about media sign or any, anybody else, they're not in the arena and they, they go to work every day and they do shit they shouldn't do. Like some of the people that are talking about Mehdi Hassan, I'm just going to be honest with you. Some of you, what, what do you do for a living? Some of you probably working, working for weapons manufacturers or work for animal, uh, putting animals down. I don't know. Experiments on animals or make horrible food that's poisoning people. Um, that with toxins and other hidden ingredients. Who knows what kind of jobs you have? No one, no one is looking at what you do for a living. And 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 I'm not saying you choose to do those things. But unfortunately, when the whole system is corrupt as the system is, we're gonna have people that compromise. The people that don't compromise, the people that will come out and do a show or give you content. That's uncompromising, that's supportive, that just doesn't tell you what you want to hear. Those are the people that you should support. The problem is, even those people get stabbed in the back, and the whole system's garbage. Hear what I'm saying? Nobody's a saint. Nobody's a saint. And nobody is above being criticized. But damn it. Damn it, guys, we got to support those that we have, those that support us and support our visions and realize sometimes you're going to disagree on such situations, but as long as they're fighting a good fight on your behalf, you got to support them because without them, we end up with nobody because nobody is as good as you in your imagination of what a person should be. But if you had to walk in this system, look, Mehdi Hassan obviously was kicked off the of air for standing up to this guy. Obviously. And instead of saying, damn, that's messed up that he was kicked off the air for standing up to Israel on his network that caused him his opportunity, people are instead bringing up stuff about him they didn't like. Times he didn't do as well as they would have done, even though they're not even doing it. Of course, they could jeopardize everything that they have, jeopardize their own ability to feed their families and live indoors, but they won't. They will continue to do their jobs of we don't know what while pointing fingers at others who are in the arena taking the risk and losing it all. And there's someone who has been in the arena taking those shots, losing it all, doing my best to thread the needle, to stand up for black people, somehow stay financially viable in this system, Meanwhile, being blackballed and B-listed and C-listed, and the list just keeps on going down by people that are trying to then infiltrate, take your spot, meanwhile trying to outpace you, meanwhile fabricate lies about you, and it's just all horrible. And after all that said and done, what does Mehdi Hassan do? After all the backstabbing and all the applause and all the backstabbing, it's just a bunch of noise. He does this. Hitting Hamas hard and maybe. He puts out this tweet. He doesn't respond to a bit of it. He says, yes, the Media Sun show has ended on Peacock. It will be ending on MSNBC next month. 
Still a few weeks left. Thank you all for watching over the past three years. Going forward at MSNBC, I serve as a guest anchor across prime shows and beyond as an on-air political analyst. Okay, so obviously, obviously, Matty has decided he'd like to keep a job. And there are people still throwing him under the bus because he made that tweet and not some other tweet that stuck into MSNBC. Meanwhile, those same people have have shows where they don't stick it to anyone. And when these issues come up, such as Israel and Palestine, they have become silent. They were silent when given an opportunity for the same reasons why some say Maddie Hassan should have remained silent. So what I'm saying, guys, it's a lot of contradictions going on. A lot of contradictions, a lot of BS going on. We got imperfect fighters. We got imperfect voices because we are imperfect people. So let's stop worshiping people and let's start supporting those who ride for us. And if you keep it up, there'll never be anybody left to ride for us. Everybody can't be good at everything and everybody won't ride for everything. I get that. But when they're good at what they do and they fight for you, eh, sometimes it, 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 might, it might be beneficial to keep them around. That's all. My thing is when we set up a no-win situation where you can't win for losing. The last part of this, because I got another part of this, and I don't know how to put this exactly, but I'll just put it. A lot of black people are wondering why Tim Black, why aren't black people standing up the way Mehdi Hassan stood up? Why aren't they standing up the way Mehdi did? And Mehdi just threw it all to the wind. Said F it. Reminded me of the time Mark Lamont Hill was at the UN or whatever giving that speech. and He lost his career, his job at the CNN. I think he lost a tenure as well or something. It was on the same topic of Israel and Palestinians. And once again, they say, Tim Black, why aren't black people standing up for black people? Now, I'm like, they are standing up for black people. But they're standing up for black people on issues that are the ones that are sanctioned that you can stand up for. Like BLM or George Floyd or Breonna Taylor. And they, they look into the camera and they start sniffling and crying about one-offs of black people that are killed by cops. But they're not crying about economics. They're not crying about the racial wealth gap. They're not crying about the lack of opportunity, the small business loans, um, the grants. Like they're not, they're not, they're not forcing the issue on the things that will really change the situation for black people in America. And if you're a white, <clears throat> if you're a white person in America who's struggling, you don't got many people fighting for you either. The closest thing to it you got is Trump. If you want to call that fighting for you, I mean, I don't know how they're fighting for you if they're giving tax breaks to rich people, knowing you're going to pay for them. But it's better than a, I don't know, I guess it's better, at least it appears to be better than a Mitch McConnell who wouldn't do a damn thing for you. At least Trump makes you feel good while he's sticking it to you. So I don't know, man. At the end of the day, none of us are really being respected while being used against one another in order to pad the pockets of the richest bastards, the, un, the, un, the inhumane, slithering snakes 
that benefit from all of this garbage. I mean, when was the last time someone took the took the L for poor people? We got people right now in Chicago and in other black cities upset about the influx of immigration, not because they hate immigrants, but because they hate the fact that 70%, 65% of the homeless population of poor black people who couldn't get a room and a board. But we got new people coming to America getting it every day along with a $9,000 a month stipend. $9,000 a month stipend. And to bring it up, people consider that to be anti-immigrant. What's that word for it? There's a word for it. It's a word for all this stuff. My point is, trying to thread the needle and make people realize that we got more in common than we have unin common. Trying to thread the needle, needle and make people understand if black people are ever going to get a hit in America, it's going, to be, it's going to take coalition with white people as well because we're only 14% of the population. Trying to make people understand it's going to take politics to get anything done unless you're talking about overthrowing the government, and if so, I ain't got no words for that because you ain't going to get me sent to jail. Trying to thread the needle and make people understand that I understand that we have People that are not playing fair, but understand we have an unfair system. And trying to be cognizant of that while still being a rebel is hard as hell. So we're not in a good position at all. And that's the reason why it keeps on lasting, because it's not a good position no matter who you are. We're all getting the short end of the stick. Some people's stick is just shorter than others. So to answer your question, why are more black people taking a taking a hit like Mehdi Hassan? Economics. And when Mehdi Hassan took the stand for Palestinians on a network that says they are for the people. People were giving him job offers. They were giving Mehdi Hassan job offers because they liked the fact he was standing up for Palestinians. But when I stood up for black folks and when many others stand up for black folks, there are no job offers. In fact, they step over you and say you're dumb because that's not what your audience listens to you for. No job offers came. No job offers come for black people when they call it out. For black people, you become an untouchable. And it takes you 18 months to rebuild your little shitty platform into something that somehow resembles what you had before. And that's why you get your Simone Sanders, your Joy, your Joy Reeds, and your Van Joneses, and your Jonathan Capehart's, and your Roland Martins. Make sense? It is what it is. All right. My name is Tim Black. You know how to find me. Go to jointimblack.com. Lord knows. Lord knows. It'd be a good thing if you did. But you don't have to because God willing, I'll be back Wednesday at 8 p.m. still talking my stuff. And then I'll be back again next Sunday 
still talking my stuff. Uncompromised and unbought, unbossed. All right. That's it. I'm gone. Got nothing but love for you. And to my haters, I'll still be back. And when we rise and we get up, I'll remember you as you as you remember me. Wolfpack.